0: And welcome to the Deep Dive Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Nick Espinoza, and we're going to be talking about all things cybersecurity, cyber warfare, and technology related. And I think we're one of the only ones out there that's doing that right now. If you'd like to be part of the radio show in any way, shape, or form, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. Again, that's Nick AESP. Or you can send us an email to questions at securityfanatics.com. We have an action packed show as always. There's always a lot to cover, so stick around with us as we deep dive into a topic and we catch up on everything else. So, without further ado, let's begin. And this week, well, this week is the week of disclaimers <laughs> for me and that is that is no joke. So We basically have a really interesting show for you today. Um, Our deep dive is, interestingly enough, going to be on a man named Dan O'Dowd, who uh, basically runs something called the Dawn Project, and he is claiming that, essentially, Elon Musk's Tesla, specifically the self-driving side of Tesla, is pretty much going to get everybody killed. I got a ton of reactions when I put this interview out uh, on YouTube and also on, uh, basically, on uh, my podcast as well, and I'm bringing it to you here, so I'm going to give you a disclaimer before that. On top of that, our core is going to be talking about Donald J. Trump. Now you may remember, and I'm sure you did if you're in the United States and you're breathing, that on Monday, August 8th, the FBI served a warrant uh, essentially on Mar-a-Lago. That is his home in West Palm Beach. We are going to dive into the nuts and bolts in that in the most non-partisan way. We're going to cut through the noise, talk about the actual facts as of Sunday, August 14th, when I basically did this for my Breaches of the Week. So instead of Breaches of the Week, we are going to do that. We might also catch up on a little bit of news uh, but I think this is going to be pretty much what we're going to be talking about. And once again, I will be giving you disclaimers uh when it comes to uh especially my Dan O'Dowd uh, interview, which I thought was really interesting. And, and you will be able to tell very easily that I am not a self-driving expert or rather an expert on self-driving or Tesla or any of those things, because quite frankly, I could, probably could have asked him some better questions, but his responses were interesting. And so I want you to hear that in full, that will be completely 100% unedited, as will be My, um, my Mar-a-Lago warrant, uh, basically, breach of the week, because I think that's a really important one to dive into. And so we're going to break all of that down. So with that, let's get going. And thanks for sticking around. And you're listening to Nick Espinosa of the Deep Dive Radio Show, a syndicated radio show here in podcast form on SoundCloud. And make sure to check your local listings so you can catch it on a radio station near you. And now for breaches of the week. And if you have a data breach to report that's local to you or the major news might have missed. It, please by all means send it to me, and I'm glad to give you a shout out and include it in the radio show and possibly a daily video. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and uh, Facebook at Nick AESP. Again, that's Nick AESP, or you can uh, email questions at securityfanatics.com. Again, that's questions at securityfanatics.com. And I'm more than happy to include your data breach and give you a shout out on the air. With that, let's begin. And before I get into the warrant that was served on uh, former President Trump at Mar a Lago, again, I want to state, as I'll state before, that this is again not political. But also, uh, I basically have put out more information uh, from this. This was recorded on Sunday, August 15th. There's more information out there now uh, that I've put out that others have put out. So understand the context and time frame from when this interview was going on. I want to make sure you have the most up-to-date and accurate information. But as it stands right now, what you're listening to basically was recorded on August 14th, and it cuts through all the noise and all the speculation. So let's get going. We are focusing on one specific breach that has been all over the news, and that is the warrant that was served on Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's residence in Palm Beach, Florida. Now, there has been a lot of speculation, a lot of things flying around, all of that. I want to cut through the noise, talk about the facts on the ground, what we know what is speculation, what is probable speculation, improbable speculation, all those kinds of things, and basically go through this. Now, if you are listening on the podcast side of this, I suggest you switch over to the video side because this is actually a PowerPoint presentation that I put together specifically for this. If you still want to listen to me, by all means, go ahead. But I'm going to clearly state everything out. And so first, let's talk about the ground rules here because I think it is important to establish a baseline before we are talking about such a hot button topic. First things first, this video and podcast is not political. I am not getting political here. I don't care if you love or hate or somewhere in between the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. I want to cut through the noise and actually talk about exactly what we know and also the speculation and all of those kinds of things clearly labeling each. Like I said, we're only going to deal with facts here. Speculation will be clearly noted. And with that, let's begin with the facts because this is essentially what we know thus far. A warrant was issued basically to search the former president's uh, residence in Palm Beach, Florida, also known as Mar-a-Lago. That warrant was executed on the 8th of August of this year. So just under a week ago, as I am recording this on Sunday, August 14th. Now, on top of this, what happened here was Attorney General Merrick Garland, he was uh, appointed by President Biden, met with FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was appointed by former President Trump. They both agreed that there was enough evidence and cause to basically request a warrant from what is known as a magistrate judge or magistrate federal judge in this case. So they went to the court system. They basically got Judge Bruce Reinhardt, And if you did not know, uh, judges basically are on rotating, the Department of Justice, cannot select the judge they want to go to and, and is specifically to make sure that there's fairness in the judicial system. And Judge Reinhardt agreed with what the FBI and DOJ presented and therefore signed the warrant. The FBI then notified the Secret Service just before they went to Mar-a-Lago to retrieve whatever the warrant stated. So those are essentially the facts that we have on the ground, but there are more facts that we know thus far. Basically, the only person or entity uh, that can freely disclose information on a warrant without going and getting a court order is the name person or persons On the warrant, meaning uh, basically law enforcement can't publicly tweet out or publish or give to the Wall Street Journal, whatever, the warrant themselves without getting a court order. But let's say they're serving a warrant on me. I can give that out to whoever I want. It is mine to do with as I wish. Now, by virtue of that, the former president, he was named on the warrant, had the right to disclose this, but he did not. We don't know why. That is up to him and his legal team. You can speculate as he's trying to hide something or it's strategy, whatever it is. Anything that you think about that is speculation because we do not know exactly why the president, former president, I should say, did not disclose that warrant. And so by virtue of that, the Department of Justice went back. I'm sorry. Yes, the Department of Justice went back to the judicial branch, uh, Department of Justice, is part of the executive branch, and basically went back in front of the judge to unseal the warrant after there were many calls by by President Trump supporters to say, let's see the warrant on this. And so basically, Judge Reinhart, once again, unsealed the warrant, but not before uh, essentially 24 hours was given to the Trump legal team to decide if they wanted to object. They did not. And they had until 3 p.m. Eastern time on uh, the 11th of August, which was last Thursday, to do that. They did not object. And so the judge unsealed the warrant. And we got a look at essentially what the Department of Justice and the FBI were looking at seizing. And here we are now. This is an actual copy of the warrant. Uh, I looked up and verified this. This is courtesy of the Associated Press, although there are multiple publications uh, basically going through this. And so you can see exactly what they were looking for on the warrant here. And so you can see that there are multiple boxes, some things labeled confidential or secret or top secret in two cases, 26A and at the bottom 28A. And we'll talk about those in a second here. So this is the warrant. This is the facts on the ground. This is what we know the FBI was looking for. Now what a box labeled A-32 has in it, we don't know. All we're doing at this point is speculating because this is what the warrant says. The FBI may know this, the affidavit may know this, the affidavit is not public. So anything outside of this list is speculation at the moment. With that, let's keep going because there are more facts on the ground. The accompanying documentation, basically, as I just showed you, indicates there are classified documents from from confidential all the way up to top secret. And so there you go. They were looking to recover top secret and down documents that have some kind of classification from the federal government. Now, for the record, for the record, possession of top secret material, this kind of documentation without prior authorization from the government. I don't care if you're the president or you're just a rank and file soldier that handles this, uh, this information for, let's say the US military. This specifically for the president is a violation of the 1978 Presidential Records Act. I actually list out the U.S. code uh, for that if you want to go ahead and look it up, and please feel free to do that. Now, this was first put in place due to Richard Nixon attempting to destroy or destroying evidence with the Watergate scandal was updated then in 2014 to include electronic records, as well as sending and receiving records outside of official government systems. So there you go. Meaning, President Trump, according to this warrant, had boxes of information uh, that were labeled top secret to classified to secret, all these different kinds of classifications that basically were not properly checked out by the government. And so the Department of Justice issued a warrant to try and retrieve these. And again, the FBI agreed as they were collecting evidence and another branch of government, because the FBI and the Department of Justice fall under the executive branch. The judicial branch got involved with the federal magistrate judge, Bruce Reinhart, and signed off a warrant. That's what we know. That is it. Now, on top of this, there is more because the warrant shows, as I mentioned, that classified top secret files were also part of what the FBI was looking for as they executed on this warrant. Now, to be clear, if you did not know... Many, many top secret documents uh, that are basically uh, very highly classified or compartmented, uh, basically, information can only be viewed in what is known as a skiff or sensitive comp- compartmented information facility, meaning as you are dealing with this information, you have to be in a SCIF. You cannot be in your home, for example, even if you're the president of the United States, the president in the White House, the actual president right now, if President Biden wanted to deal with Uh, these kinds of documents, he would have to be in a skiff. And there is no skiff in Mar-a-Lago. Now, by virtue of that, uh, if you didn't know, essentially, these, like I said, are hardened rooms that thwart surveillance of foreign government, eavesdropping all of that. You check in all of your electronics. Your phone stays out of the room. Your smartwatch stays out of the room. You know, anything electronic that you have on your person uh, basically has to leave. You enter this room. You handle the documents in this room. And then essentially, you leave that room and the documents stay there. You can't take them home to work on them at night. And so by virtue of that, this is everything, everything now that has been confirmed so far publicly um, by the Department of Justice. This is what we know. This is it. Now, Let's talk about the speculation because there has been a ton of speculation. Some of it probable, some of it improbable. And I think that this is really important because multiple news sources are saying that they have learned from anonymous sources. So we're talking about multiple top tier uh, information gathering sources are saying, anonymous sources are telling them that this contained nuclear information. Some of the most stringent, stringent compartmentalized data that we have here in the United States for very obvious reasons. If that is true, we don't know what kind of nuclear information we have yet. So right now, this is speculation. Anonymous sources are saying this. We need to have more evidence of this. Now, is this the, the secret nuclear codes or the nuclear football? Is this nuclear information on a foreign government? Uh, is this our nuclear information that could potentially, if falling into the hands of, the, of the, a foreign government, could be a problem? We don't know. We don't know. All we know is what is being reported, but nobody has come out and said, yes, this is this. The Department of Justice has not filed an indictment or a charge stating that nuclear secrets were taken. Understand this is speculation. Now it's coming from multiple news sources, so it probably has a higher probability. But again, we do not have full and formal confirmation just yet. Multiple news sources are also saying that obviously if it's true, it violates the Espionage Act. Now, again, if there are actual nuclear secrets there, they could basically uh, impact or, or be in violation of the Espionage Act. Now, it's also important to note, as I put out here on the screen, that espionage does not require a conspiracy with a foreign government, breaking national security, meaning you have weakened or gravely weakened national security by, let's say, potentially exposing nuclear secrets or something else that is compartmented in that way could be part of the Espionage Act, meaning you have hindered or harmed national security. This does not mean that you have to have a conspiracy or collude with a foreign government foreign operative or anything like that. There is more speculation as well. Because there have been many theories that I have heard in the last couple of weeks as I keep up with the news that basically are unproven. And again, they range from probable probable, which I've just said, multiple news organizations just saw just rode that to more highly improbable. And so let's go some of the go some go through some of those because I think a lot of these two uh simply just need a, a better explanation as to what they are. So I'm gonna list out what it is, and you'll see right next to it, Nick's thought. I'm being very direct with what we know, what we don't know, and my own speculation on these points. Again, this is not political. I'm trying to cover all bases here. It's so very important to cut through all the noise and all the hyperbole to make sure that we are being accurate. So first, let's talk about one of those things, because there were just a huge amount of accusations, like a crazy amount of accusations saying that, well, the FBI clearly planted evidence. Obviously, this is coming from those that support Trump very ardently. So here's my thought on this. I think that is highly improbable. Nothing is impossible, right? Everything's possible, but I think this is highly improbable because there's plenty of video surveillance at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, there are plenty of people around with cell phone cameras and all of that. So we will have a recording of FBI agents coming in and out. The oversight that that essentially Congress has on both the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau investigation also mean that they would have to account for, let's say, you know, throwing in flashbangs and shooting guards and, you know, doing whatever it is like, you know, and then planting evidence. Uh, That would be a very, very difficult thing to do. Not to mention the fact that a, a warrant was actually signed by a judge, which again, is in a different branch of the federal government than the FBI and the DOJ. And they're one of many rotating judges to ensure fairness. So I think this is just very highly unprobable uh, that this happened. But here we are. Now, on top of that, uh, one of the other ones that we heard was that basically, well, President Trump didn't know what were in these boxes and therefore they're not liable. And so here's my thought on that, because I think that's actually irrelevant. Even if he had no clue and his people were taking this, the Presidential Records Act requires a full accounting of all presidential documentation at all times. And he would have many stewards in his inner circle, in the executive branch to ensure that those documents were properly checked in, checked out, all those different kinds of things. That simply, quite frankly, does not appear to have happened. Again, speculation, but it does not appear to have happened because essentially the, the uh, DOJ and the FBI went and got a warrant because they didn't think it happened. And so I don't think this argument would be able to hold up in court, meaning like, I'm sorry, your honor, I didn't know there was a dead body in my trunk, you know, and and maybe I didn't, maybe I really didn't, but it's very hard to prove. So I think that is that is going to be an irrelevant argument that's not going to hold up in court. But I've heard that one bandied about around as well. Another one I've heard is, well, Trump stated that he should get the documents back that were seized, obviously, because they included attorney client material, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm the first to admit that I'm absolutely not a lawyer, but a a warrant allows... Law enforcement to seize what a judge has authorized. And so if those boxes included, let's say that kind of material and a judge authorized it, then they are within their rights to actually take that. Obviously, attorney client material cannot be used against a defendant in court. And I will also point out that uh, since President Trump made that statement on his social media platform, Truth Social, it also technically invalidates that the, the FBI theory that they planted evidence. If he's saying I want my documents back, meaning there you go. So I I think that that kind of invalidates that. uh, But there you go. I think they are allowed to do this. Now, there's more speculation as well that we have seen. And one of those is, well, President Trump declassified all of these materials before taking them to Mar-a-Lago. That may be true. But that also doesn't hold up in the in the Records Act, the Presidential Records Act, in the sense that documents still have to be checked in, checked out. Even if they're declassified, it means they lose their sensitivity. But obviously, that's a huge thing. Then my other question would be, why does the warrant say top secret material? Because there is a paper trail to declassify something, meaning if President Trump or Biden or Obama or W or Clinton all the way back, you know, for however long says, I'm going to declassify X there has to be a receipt. There has to be a justification to say this is no longer relevant. And now it's recorded. That way, the document moves from one part, which is top secret, let's say, to declassified and publicly available. This is for things like the Freedom of Information Act and uh, you know, and all those kinds of things. And so if President Trump actually declassified 100% of everything that the DOJ and the FBI seized under this warrant, then they it would be declassified there would be a paper trail that that the the executive branch could produce to basically say yes president trump actually did that we have yet to see that and here we are that should be readily available especially in such a a, a, a serious situation like this On top of it, we've also seen speculation that President Trump was working with the Russians or the Saudis or, you know, take your pick, you know, which is why, you know, all of these documents. He recently, at one of his golf clubs, I believe it was the one in New Jersey, had a uh, golf tournament hosted by the Saudis, uh, you know, there. And there were protests there and all that. I'm not getting into that. But my point is that people are saying, oh, well, he's clearly in bed with Putin or he's in, you know, he's in he's in bed with the House of Al Saud or something like that. Again, this would be needed to be proven in court. This is pure speculation. You would need some serious concrete evidence to charge a former president. Again, I don't care what you think of him, but this would require serious, serious concrete evidence. It also could be in part why the DOJ was looking deeply at this to the point where they needed a warrant. But again, that is my speculation. And there you go. I mean, if that is actually the case, then maybe they thought that. But again it's all speculation we don't have proof or evidence nobody has come out to say yes we're charging the president with this and we can prove it in court or at least attempt to prove it in court again speculation i cannot stress that enough on top of this i've I've heard a lot of people say oh well the the, the fbi actually acted like the gestapo the nazi police they raided his home and all of this kind of stuff And my thought, my speculation, my answer on this, my thinking is no, I I don't think they did. Serving a warrant is not a raid. They told the Secret Service that is not in dispute ahead of time. So it's not like they were kicking in doors and the Secret Service thought they were under attack. This was a coordinated effort. They also were not showing up in tactical gear. You can see pictures of FBI agents that are armed, everything from long guns such as AR-15s, you know, and, and other types of rifles and weapons like that. But there was no breach of a door. There was nothing like that. The only thing that we know... For certain that essentially had to be cracked was the safe uh, that Donald Trump had, President Trump, former President Trump had that was part of the warrant where where they were allowed to uh, search and therefore they were legally able to do that. And so, by virtue of that, this was not some kind of armed standoff. And I think it's, I personally, and again speculation, I was not there. Do not think this was a raid. This was the serving of a warrant, which I think is a different thing. And so, with that. Those are some of the key speculations and there's others out there as well. I'm sure I've missed stuff. Feel free to comment. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate for this one, but I think it's really important to cut through the noise. And so let me give you my parting thoughts on this, which are very quick. First things first, I don't care if you love or hate them, but whether you do, it's important to deal with the evidence only. Everything else is speculation What I list as fact is known because it has been disclosed publicly and confirmed by the parties, whether it's the Department of Justice, the FBI, the judicial branch, or President Trump himself. This is what we're talking about. Those are the facts on the ground about a warrant being searched. We know the list of what they were going for. We know what they collected. Everything else right now is speculation until it is confirmed or confirmed to be just completely false. On top of this, we have to wait. As more facts come out, we are basically going to get a more clear picture Meaning if it's nuclear, you know, in nature, for example, there's going to be an indictment. There's going to be something that comes out and says, yes, we are looking for this, in which case, okay, now we know they were looking for nuclear secrets, whatever that is. And so I think that's an important thing to understand. We are going to continue to get a more clear picture as the investigation unfolds folds. And I think that's an important thing to understand. I don't care if you think this is a sham. I don't care if you're hundred percent on board with this. The bottom line is we are essentially are in a wait and see, and that's what it is. So my last point is everybody needs to chill out, just chill out. We are going to figure this out. We're going to see what happens uh, with this we're good, bad, or ugly, we are going to get more information that is either going to exonerate President Trump, it's going to possibly indict President Trump, or something in between. We don't know yet. So don't deal in speculation. Don't deal in rumors. Don't deal in your confirmation bias that says fry him or release him or whatever that is in between. Let's deal with the facts, see what happens. And we're going to go from there. And with that, thank you for watching. I'm looking forward to your hate mail, your hate messages, etc. Again, I do not care. I do not care if you love or hate the former president just deal in facts. And that's what I'm saying. And thank you so very much for watching this on this very special edition of Breaches of the Week. And you're listening to Nick Espinoza of the Deep Dive Radio Show, a syndicated radio show here in podcast form on SoundCloud. And make sure to check your local listings so you can catch it on a radio station near you. And now for the Deep Dive segment, where we take a closer and deeper look at a cybersecurity, cyber warfare, or technology issue around us. And if you have any suggestions for a Deep Dive segment or something you'd like me to dive into, you can once again find me on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. Again, that's Nick AESP. Or you can send an email to questions at securityfanatics.com. That's questions at securityfanatics.com. I am more than happy to take a look at it. And uh, if it meets our standards, we are more than happy to do a deep dive on it. So let's begin. And here's the disclaimer I told you I was gonna do at the very beginning of this show. I'm about to interview, or rather, you're about to hear an interview I did uh, the other week with Dan O'Dowd. He is the CEO of Green Hills Software. He's also the founder of The Dawn Project. I will let him explain what The Dawn Project is. And so here's my disclaimer, because this is actually a very controversial topic. It was literally called the dumbest person, uh, basically, to, to fall for his stuff or whatever. I can't remember the phrasing, but I was dumb enough to basically interview him Because apparently, Elon Musk has a lot of fans out there and they don't want to hear alternative opinions. So, I'm gonna say a couple of different things here. One, the views and opinions expressed by Dan O'Dowd are not the views and opinions uh, necessarily of myself of uh, basically this radio station that you're listening to, whichever it is, or the Pacifica Radio Network. Um, it is also uh, basically his thoughts and his thoughts alone. I am not an expert at Tesla or self-driving cars or Elon Musk. I did recently a video on that, cribbing very heavily from CNBC and other prime sources on some of the troubles that Tesla's had essentially with the state of California, basically that claims, and you'll hear this in the interview, that essentially they are overstating the capabilities of their self-driving cars. Dan will speak about that rather extensively. So I want to put those two things out there. Also, I want to say one more thing, too, is that I did reach out to Tesla in the in the in the interest of fairness to basically get a response from them. Either a written statement that I would read unedited to you from Tesla or interview an official person uh, from Tesla as well. I've also interviewed car experts in the past, but I wanted somebody directly from Tesla as Dan O'Dowd, my guest this week. Also, uh, basically, is representing an organization that is directly opposed to them. So I'm hoping Tesla reaches out. You may hear uh, from Tesla or me, rather, uh, interview somebody from Tesla or read a statement from Tesla, possibly, hopefully, on my next show But I did not hear back from them as of yet. And so we'll see what happens there. And there you go. And so with that, those are my disclaimers. Enjoy the interview, I think it's interesting, and I am looking forward to your hate mail. Hey everybody, Nick Espinoza, your chief security fanatic here. And today I actually have a very special guest with me today. Uh, this is Dan O'Dowd. He is the CEO of Green Hill Software, but also the founder of the Dawn Project, which is primarily why we're talking to him today. And Dan, thank you so much for coming on my radio show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Great, great. Now, can you explain to my audience what the Dawn Project is?
1: The Dawn Project uh, is dedicated to, well, our our slogan is making computers safe for humanity. The problem is that over the last five or 10 years, that people have hooked up all the things our lives depend on to the internet. Um, all All the cars are hooked up to the internet. The power grid's hooked up to the internet. The hospitals are hooked up to the internet. The water treatment plants and the dams and those systems are all hooked up to the internet. And most of them hooked it up with basically either Windows or Linux or open source software that, that they just downloaded off the, uh, off the, the web, off the internet. And, and almost all that software has bugs in it that you can just go onto the market and buy vulnerabilities, the whole thriving market and vulnerabilities on all these products. And so when you created a thing where all of these things are connected, one person can conceivably take them all down at the same time, and that's catastrophic. With the power grid, yeah, you could take everything down, that would be bad, but that's not actually the worst thing you could do. If you gain control of a uh, electric generation plant, um, you just, and you can, get, you can get into it, you can turn up the generator to re- pass red line. You just turn it up. What happens when you leave something up past red line for a while? It will break. I don't know how. That's why red line. That's what red lines for. It tells you. Right. Running it above here, it's the fan blades are going to blow off. It's going to catch on fire. It's going to melt down. I don't know. But what will end up is it won't work anymore. If you if you did that to all the power generating plants in the United States, we'd be living in 1820. Right. There'd be internet. There'd be no radio. There'd be no there, your electric car can't be charged. Your gasoline car can't be filled up because the gas station requires electricity to pump the gas. So basically, you're stuck with one charge or one load of gasoline. That's how far you can go. Maybe a few hundred miles if you do. But they can't get anywhere either. And there's no way to bring in food. There's no way to bring in anything that you need. You don't even know what happened. You'd be sitting at home saying, yeah, the power would come back on in a few hours. After a day, it's like, where's the power company? I need to make a call. But you can't make a call, so you can't find out. A week later, it's still down. What do you do? Uh, you right. migrate, try to go somewhere else, but it's no better there. It's a complete catastrophic meltdown of society. Uh, electric cars. You, If you have a self-driving car and you hook it on the internet, well, because of automatic updates, all the self-driving cars from one manufacturer will run the identical code. If you find a way to hack one of them, you can hack all of them. They're all in the internet. You send out your malware to infect all that company's cars for, say, some model year. And, and then you send it a directive. Okay, get out of wherever you are. If you're in a garage, get out of the, you know, you know open the garage door. If you're in a parking lot, get out of the parking lot. Find the nearest reasonably large uh, street and accelerate to 100 miles an hour drive the wrong, driving the wrong way if 10 million cars did that in five minutes, millions of people would be dead and no one would know what happened and no one would be able to stop it. There wouldn't be any warnings or alerts. Just 10 minutes later, millions are dead. And, and no one wants to get in a car anymore. It's catastrophic. And we built it. It's there. It's what they're doing right now. People are building all of these systems with no concern at all for, to make them so that they can't be hacked and we shouldn't do it. We do these things? If we're going to make us vulnerable, these are national security problems.
0: Right, right, and and this is exactly why I wanted to have you on my radio show as well as my daily videos and podcasts is because this is something that I, I talk about actually quite a bit. Uh, the last example that I gave was water and wastewater districts here in the United States. They're interconnected on on the internet. Uh, they're they are wholly inadequately. Um, Defended for cybersecurity, and we've seen hacking incidents that could introduce things like lie into water supplies, you know, which we saw in Oldsmar, Florida. So it's it's something that that is kind of just super important. And I will also say this: that pretty much every car I've owned since the Bluetooth era, I've been successfully able to break into using known vulnerabilities in Bluetooth. I mean, that's part of my day job, and 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 so here we are. But the reason why I found you. Um, was actually really interesting. And as my regular followers... Uh, my daily podcasts and videos know, um, a couple of days ago on August 8th, we're sitting here on August 10th, um, I actually released a video talking about California's DMV, their Department of Motor Vehicles, accusing Tesla of engaging in deceptive practices around the marketing of their driver assistance systems, which they call, as you know, autopilot and full self-driving here in the United States. So the next day, um, I saw that you released, or at least pinned on your Twitter account, a video of actual Teslas that you were testing being tested by your organization. And basically, they were unfortunately plowing over these poor, unfortunate mannequin children that you just had, you know, in this video, meaning the car wouldn't stop, it was just hitting these kids. And so can you tell us um, a little bit about that about your uh, you know your your thoughts on on Tesla and everything because you you had a really interesting uh, video which is essentially a commercial you know basically informing people of this this serious problem. Can you tell us about this?
1: It is a commercial and it's running nationwide right now. It's on 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 TV.
0: Great, great.
1: And YouTube and on Twitter and you know we're, we're we're putting it out. Um, this 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 actually started if you go to go back to the beginning of my campaign it was in january i ran a full page ad in the Wall Street in the, the new york times mm-hmm. and uh, it basically said this we've tested this car and about every eight minutes it has a safety defect it, it exhibits a safety defect it does something that if you did it in a driver's test that the, the instructor would would flunk you just do it once you're flunked mm-hmm. um turn left out of a right turn light i mean something really dumb it does that all the time Um, we discovered about every 36 minutes it would crash into something if the driver didn't grab the wheel Hmm. Um, and and this has been going on on for a while I've been running commercials I've been running ads putting in in and 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 up to today but about somewhere around June um, something happened a guy put some videos on the internet showing he put to see if they would if it would stop one of them was a barbecue grill nope wouldn't stop for a barbecue grill He mm-hmm. put an office chair wouldn't stop for the office chair a whole bunch of stuff and i said really is that, could that possibly be true mm-hmm. there was another company that was running uh, called luminar it was it was basically putting a kid in front of a tesla and seeing if it would run them down and i just said is that really true could that possibly be true so i went out i bought a, a tesla and hired some guys to do it. And we ran the test to see what would it run over and what wouldn't it? And it would run over little children, uh, a little push stroller, just an ordinary sort of low stroller. It would take that out every time. Um, we put a beach ball in front of it. It would, it would hit a beach ball. It hits all sorts of things. Um, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So we built it, we, we hired a Hollywood crew and we made a commercial and we put it out there yesterday. It was yesterday, right? Tuesday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ninth.
1: And we started showing it uh, out to the world and people are just, what I'm saying is if you're designing a self-driving car, I mean, it's called full self-driving and autopilot. You should not, it, it, you should have to prove your self-driving car doesn't run over children in a crosswalk before you're allowed to put it on the road. They've given it out to 100,000 people. They sold it. I don't even really it. It cost $12,000. 100,000 people are running that software right now. They've been downloading the software. Right. And by the end of the year, Elon Musk said he's going to let all their customers have it. So that's hundreds of thousands of millions. I don't know. Yeah. A huge number. It, it's yeah. just, you can't, it, it's, it's crazy to put that thing out on the road. Yeah. And it, Go ahead. It doesn't work i mean it, it 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 does not drive you confidently you have to save yourself i i have a video it has to come out yet yeah, published in a few weeks of uh, i was in the car i was i was the passenger not the driver and we're driving along this country road perfectly good road got a nice yellow line down the middle and this other bmw starts coming down the other side everything's fine except it's actually got its tires on the yellow line when it's when it's coming around the turn and at, when it was 57 feet in front of it, the, the, the Model S, the full self-driving turned left in front of that car, 57 feet, when it was 57 feet away. And the driver of my car that grabbed the wheel and ripped it back to the right with 0. 0.4 seconds to spare, he saved our lives. If he had not done that, we would have headlonged direct smash into that BMW. Now, some people say, well, we were warned that this software wasn't perfect, right? I mean, it does say that. When you turn it on, it says it might do the wrong thing at the worst time. That's a hell of a warning. Well, what's the wrong thing? Turning left and going over the yellow line, what's the wrong time? When there's a BMW 57 feet away. I guess they warned me that this could happen. It's insane that they would sell a product that could do that. But that BMW guy never signed any waiver, right? They make you sign. Favors with before you can run the software, but the BMW guy, he'd be dead if we'd have crashed into him headlong into him. You know, it, it's crazy. Right. It's on the be on the road. Take it back in the lab and make it so it doesn't turn left in front of BMWs. It doesn't turn left in front of trains, which it does. It doesn't. It and doesn't run over kids in a in a crosswalk. Take it back to the lab and work on it and fix all those bugs. By the way, I've got a bunch more. I'll be showing fix Please, all those, yeah. then maybe you can put it back on the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's just it because, you know, in the video that I, that I put out the day before yours, and obviously yours has way more play. I'm not even comparing them. Yours was professionally done. Mine is guerrilla filmmaking. You know, um, in that I, I, I also mentioned, according to CNBC, that hundred thousand cars that you're talking about are beta. They're called CNBC was calling these like a beta test car, uh, and so if there's a hundred thousand of these out there in beta test you know just for my audience from a software development standpoint you know as well as I do beta means it's not a finished product beta means it's in testing you're basically expecting your hundred thousand drivers to basically report back and say oh it turned left in front of a train or it almost hit a BMW or it hit mannequin children and all of that i mean that is I think absolutely like, crazy that that you would have basically something that could essentially be weaponized. I mean, we've literally seen people kill other people by driving cars into crowds intentionally. Imagine an unintentional Tesla doing that. I understand this is pretty much, I'm sure we're both fun at parties, but obviously this is a tough conversation. What one one of the things though that you mentioned in that commercial
1: You're frozen.
0: Oh, can you hear me?
1: Okay, yeah, you're good now.
0: You're good. Okay. All right. And you were freezing a little bit on me too. Um we can edit that out. So one of the things, not from the video though, this is, you know, but, but on the, on the radio, uh, one of the things though, that you said in your video um, was that, and I quote you uh, Tesla self-driving is the worst commercial software I have ever seen. So without getting t- too deeply technical, can you elaborate on that? Like, Have you looked at the source code or are you just saying that because of in your testing every, I think it was eight minutes, this thing is hitting something or or doing something it shouldn't do?
1: Right. It's, it's, it is making a safety error. Our definition was that the California has a handbook and it says, if you, if you are taking the driver's test, to get your driver's license, it lists a bunch of things that if you do them, you're at right. You flunk right there. Okay. So we made like, like, like running a stop sign or turning right out of the left-hand turn lane or, you know, something stupid like that. Not necessarily that you would cause a crash, but just something you'd get a ticket for right away. Um, and At every eight minutes, it malfunctions. It has a safety malfunction. I challenge anyone to find a single product they've ever used that was acceptable that it failed every eight minutes. Right. Your hand dryer? I don't think so. That'd go away. Your refrigerator fails every eight minutes? I don't think so. What? What product can you think of that that if it failed every eight minutes, you would keep it? You wouldn't say they'd either recall it. or or give you your money back, or fix it, you know, repair it. And they don't consider it a repair. They just say, no, that's what it does. There's no other product on anything. And this is a self-driving car. A billion lives, when we do self-driving and everybody does self-driving, there's gonna be a billion people in cars at a given moment in the world somewhere. Their lives will depend on that software. The self-driving software should be the best software ever written, the most carefully designed, the most carefully implemented, the most carefully tested, as much as we can, we should do everything we can to make it the best program ever written because a billion lives depend on it. Not the worst program that's ever been sold. I don't mean that there've been products that that you know internally were terrible, were worse. This is a product that actually got sold to people and it's for their car. Again, yeah. it's in-
0: Yeah, yeah, and- I'm- Essentially what I what I equate it to is air traffic control software. You know, that has been vetted for decades and decades and decades to ensure there's no glitch and we have two 747s flying into each other. You know, it, it has to be, I think, at that level. Um, if you are if you are putting that out on the road, just like, you know, two planes colliding, the last thing we need are, to your point, is a billion cars running into things, pedestrians, other cars, another self-driving car, whatever that is. Um now. Within the last year or so, um, I actually, and I don't know if you know who this person is, but I got I got to interview um a guy named Doug DeMuro. He's a he's a car expert. Um, you know you, you can see his youtube videos he has millions of followers on this and i asked him this question our our interview was about the future of car technology and security uh, you know where are we in self driving cars is this good are we good to go should we believe elon musk and he said no he's like we are decades away from this at best and his example was if it's a nice sunny day and you know everything is the sun shining it's not wet out it's great you know, pavement, if you will, the car is probably going to do what you want it to do. But I'm sitting here in Chicago and in February when it's snowing like crazy, do I want to trust an AI that doesn't have the experience that I have as a driver, uh, you know, in in that in that environment? And obviously the answer right that, right now is no to that. But I'm asking you, um, if we are moving towards driverless cars in the future, and that definitely seems like where we're going, what do you think is a reasonable timeline here? Obviously, Elon Musk might be hyping this up. He's a hype man. I've done other videos on him being a charlatan or, or a visionary, you know, depending on how you look at him. But what do you think is, is a reasonable timeline for driverless cars, just in your experience?
1: I think it's sooner than what you said. It is still years away. What's interesting is that Tesla is not the leader. Tesla's not even close to the leader. Tesla is way back of the pack. Right now, Waymo is, has, has hundreds of absolutely driverless cars. There is no driver. There is no one in the seat driving all over San Francisco. So does Cruise. Waymo has them in Phoenix. Argo AI has them in Houston and Miami. Baidu has them in Beijing and, uh, and Guangzhou. Auto X has them in Shenzhen. We have at least six companies with actual driverless cars driving all over the, some of the biggest cities in, on earth. Um, there is already driverless technology. Now, it does have accidents. It was just a report. And there have been accidents. And, uh, but they're working on it. And it is getting better. It's not, if you use Tesla as an example, it would be never, but they're not the leaders. They're not even close to the leaders. Uh, as we said, eight minutes, it fails. Um, the, um, the cruise systems, they go 40,000 miles before they do something stupid, not 10 miles before they do something stupid. Um, wow. Not good enough. 40,000 is not good enough. Humans are better. Wow. But, and they wow. have to improve. They know that, and they are improving it. And it's still years away from real commercial production, but I think we will get there in the five to ten year time frame.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and in that vein, none of the none of the companies that you just mentioned, Waymo, et cetera, um, are any one of the the car companies that have been out for decades and decades and decades. You didn't mention Mercedes. You didn't mention Ford. You know, these are companies that have decades of experience. Uh, you know, in this. So, do you think they're they're lagging behind, or do you think they'll Eventually, outclass, let's say Tesla, uh, given that they have decades of experience, not just uh, in car technology, but the actual safety of a vehicle as well. Like Mercedes has more safety patents on automobiles than anybody on the planet, um, you know, going back a hundred plus years. So, so what what do you think about the you know the Mercedes and the Fords and everybody in between?
1: Well, it, it's interesting because the names I mentioned. Uh, Argo AI, which just got a license to do robo-taxis, driverless cars in Miami and Houston, is actually owned by Ford and Volkswagen. There you go. Tony AI that just got a license in Beijing is owned by Toyota. Mm. Um, Cruise is owned by GM. Waymo is owned by Google. Um, Mm. A lot of these companies have a car. It just doesn't have their name on it. It's kind of strange. many of them because they were actually independent companies and these big put them up and said, Hey, we got to get into, we got to learn to do self-driving. We're, we're behind. We'll buy up one of these smaller companies. And, uh, and, and so they're actually, most of them do have uh, a mechanism. Actually, Mercedes has a, what's called level three, level four is what you really call autonomous, but level three is a degree of self-driving they are the first people actually ever to get an L3 license, a Level 3 license, um, I think in Europe, hmm. but, but they're working on it. They've got their own program that they're working on. There's a ton of people doing this. In China, apparently there's like 10 companies that are doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, wow. so, I mean, and that's, so I, obviously I didn't know that I'm, I'm not completely up on driverless cars like you are, but I, I think that that's really interesting. And I think part of it probably then is... You know, for lack of a better term, the the sexiness of Tesla, if you will. I mean, they were a, a very hot ticket. It's one of the things I talked to with Doug uh, DeMiro as well. You know, he's in his, I think, late 30s, give or take um, or so. And he was saying, he's like, yeah, he's like, I grew up with Ferraris and Lamborghinis on my wall. But when I talk to kids now, they all want Teslas. And so I think that part of that is probably the the allure of what the Tesla is, um, you know, maybe Elon Musk being the, the hype man that he is for this. But it's clear that you've got, as you just said, you've got the GMs and the Fords and the Volkswagens, some of the most venerated and oldest companies in the planet that are, are accurately developing this. And so maybe what we've got with Tesla is a marketing problem. And I think that's what your video is speaking to is, hey, like, you know, you're getting the sizzle, but you're not getting the steak. Right. I mean, I, I think that's what you're you're kind of saying here.
1: Yeah, it's more serious than that.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. It
1: keeps claiming that Tesla is the world's leader in technology for self-driving cars. And it is not. It isn't even close. There is uh, I did an analogy. Uh, it, um, Waymo and Cruise got their licenses to drive driverless in San Francisco just a few months ago. And they did the announcement. They said, We have an actual license. San Francisco is allowing us to have driverless cars with no safety driver to watch over it, to prove it really will work. And so they put out a big press release and everything. And I put out a tweet and I said, I said, Crew or Waymo or Crew, I can't remember which one. It, it just Waymo and Crews just took off their training wheels. Because until that point, they had to have a safety driver in the car to make sure it didn't do something dumb. They just took off their training wheels and are you know, moving forward with their bicycles. And Elon Musk is sitting on his tricycle. That's the level of technological difference. They were right. These guys were driving a bicycle, but they had their training wheels on. They just took the training wheels off. They took the safety driver out. And now it's all on its own. But Elon Musk doesn't have a bicycle. He's got a tricycle. It, it can't do anything that these people can do. And it's just so far behind. But his hype machine is is he is just constant. He's a hundred million people. He can he can sit at his, his phone and in and in two minutes he can have a hundred million people experience his latest thought. That's amazing, right? That's yeah. the and he keeps telling you how far ahead they are and how stupid everybody else is. Literally saying they're stupid; they have no idea what they're doing when they're doing things way better than what his stuff is doing, and people believe it because it's the only story they hear. Nobody's out there. I mean, Waymo. You you might have heard of it, but Mm -hmm. oh yeah. But but you don't hear about it on the news every day. You hear about Elon Musk every single day on the news, and so that everybody just assumes they're the leader. Yeah, they're not. And they're falling farther behind every day because this is just terrible software. It's just unimaginably bad. Yeah. In fact, It's designed wrong. It's implemented wrong. They don't test. Do they, okay. Do you think that they test it? Do they have a test lab, not a lab, but like a parking lot where they go out and they put various objects in front of the car, like I did and see what it runs over and what it doesn't run over. Do they run that test? I, I, Maybe they don't run the test. How, how can the test engineering department should be fired if that isn't one of their tests? You got to know what you can, what you're going to run over, or they yeah. do have that. And then what? And it fails the test, and they put it on the road anyway. They, if they, do they know that? I, I don't get it. It doesn't make. It, yeah. it does make. They're idiots. I mean, it's just incompetent.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Every level, right? Well, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, well, and God forbid they're using that in their SpaceX rockets. <laughs> you know, if you're thinking about it that way, you know, if they're they're moving to, the, you know, astronaut lists, you know, rockets and all that kind of stuff, too. Uh, hopefully they're not leveraging this, but you would hope that they would be testing these things in the same way that, you know, we require all cars here through, I think it's the NTSB to be crashed and tested. You know, you have to have a certain level of tolerances for impact. And all those kinds of things. You you would hope that they do that. But um, I wanted to ask you um, pretty much one more thing, and that's in your in your commercial, um, you're basically um, calling on Congress to put a halt to self driving cars right now, or maybe it's just Tesla. Um, if you want to clarify that, but can you explain what exactly you're asking our government uh, for here? And also, have you had um, responses, good or bad, from members of Congress or senators? Uh, you know, uh, as a result of the the campaign you've just started.
1: Um, Well, so their National Highway Transportation Safety Agency, which we call NHTSA, NHTSA is responsible for car safety. They pass rules and say, you have to do this and you can't do that. For instance, recently, it came out that Tesla was not stopping at stop signs. It would come into an intersection, look around and say, there's nobody here. Why should I stop? And it would just kind of roll through the, the stop sign and keep going which is technically illegal, but also technically what an awful lot of people really do. So Tesla programmed it to do that because they didn't want to have to stop when there was no reason to. It got out. Somebody published a paper on it. And then NHTSA came to Tesla and said, you can't do that. You can't program it to break the law. Mm-hmm. And Tesla complained a bit. And then eventually they changed it. And, it. and NHTSA pressured them through their regulatory authority and said, you have to you can't do that. You have to stop at the stop sign, like the law says. Right. So they that's what they do. They make rules. They they usually make the rules when something bad happens. But their charter actually says they're supposed to stop things before bad things. We don't have right. to wait. For a child to be killed in an, an unambiguously killed in a crosswalk by a, a model uh, by an effort, a full self driving car. We mm-hmm. could just wait and wait to sacrifice a child. And then we could do what we need to do, or we can do it now before we do that. That's, that's the question. NHTSA has the power to do this. My answer is NHTSA should pass a rule. It should be really easy. I don't think there should be any objection. You can't put your car, your self-driving car on the road until you prove it doesn't run over children in crosswalks. And how do you do that? You set you have a, you know, a set of government testing, like you saw before, you know, with the, crash dummies except this is you have setups you put various sized dummies in front of the car and you see if it stops you know you say oh no, and if it stops you say that's good you pass if it runs them over you fail put together a test like that just you know have 50 different scenarios and make sure it does it and then you can go you know and then you can go back on the road but everybody needs to do that including waymo and those guys they should have to do it too why do we allow things on our roads that will kill children it just doesn't make sense send right. them back to the lab fix the bug then you can put it back on the road
0: right and that i think that makes a lot of sense and and uh, Dan, thank you so much for your time here. If, if uh, And unfortunately, we have, to, we have to cut this off now. But if people want to learn more about you or your efforts with the Dawn Project, or even just watch that 30-second you know, ad of those poor mannequin children getting mowed over by a Tesla, um, what's, the, what's the best place to find you or follow you or learn about the, you or the Dawn Project?
1: So the Dawn Project is dawnproject.com, D-A-W-N Project. Um, and I have a Twitter handle, it's at real Dan O'Dowd, sort of have to spell it out without the apostrophe, D-A-N, or it's real Dan O'Dowd, R-E-A-L-D-A-N-O-D-O-W-D. And I put a lot of stuff out, but basically every single day we put out a video of a Tesla doing something stupid, um, you know, running somebody off the road or crashing You know, into something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, we just go on YouTube and we look at all the videos and we find the stupid things it does. And we cut, you know, we make a short little video showing it doing that. Um, yeah. And plus, of course, we have general announcements and, and commercials and things as they go along.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, well, thank you. This is this has been very illuminating. Obviously, everybody here and every, all of my listeners and viewers are, are know what a Tesla is. Uh, you know, obviously, we've all heard about the self-driving features, you know, wave of the future and all of that. And so... While this is a bit of a depressing, you know, uh, conversation, it is a very important one, I think, that we need to have. Because obviously, if we can prevent needless injury or death, uh, you know, by by making people aware of this, I, I think it's a, real, it's a rather important thing. So Dan O'Dowd, founder of the Don Project and CEO of Green Hill Software, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me. Take care.
0: And thank you so much for tuning in this week. It was another fun show. And I think we covered a lot of really good stuff. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a really good time. And... I hope you keep tuning in. Thank you very much for listening to the Deep Dive Radio Show here with Nick Espinoza. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, absolutely anything, once again, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. Again, that's Nick AESP. And you can always send an email to questions at securityfanatics.com. Don't be shy. I love the feedback. We've been having a great time with the show. And as always, stay safe and stay online, everyone. Thanks for listening.